Better Off Bald, A Life in 147 Days. A serialized non-fiction podcast that chronicles the story of 15-year-old Adrian Wilson's 147-day battle with primary liver cancer. As she lay dying, Adrian taught others, including her older sister Andrea, who raised her, how to live. Welcome back to Better Off Bald, A Life in 147 Days. I am your host and storyteller, Andrea Wilson-Woods. Whether you're watching a video or listening to the podcast, I really appreciate you tuning in. Let's get started. Days 80 through 83, Friday through Monday, August 3rd through the 6th, 2001. Two smiley faces, i.e., bowel movements. I love music. I love dancing. I love sunshine that doesn't make me too warm. I love the rain. I love jumping into petals. I love drawing on my arms. I love Eli. I love Perry Farrell. I love glitter. I love big headphones. I love my blue hair. I love hairless arms. I love the shape of a female back. I love fashion photography. I love bus drivers. I love fast computers. I love doing high kicks. Adrian's journal entry dated March 15th, 2001. After another massage appointment with Nina, Adrian asked to go to the local animal shelter. Before cancer, we visited the dogs and cats all the time. The overly cautious your immune system crashed three days ago parent in me wants to say no, but my rational mind takes over and I agree. Besides, I carry hand sanitizer in my purse and animal germs are less threatening to Adrian than bacteria from people. If the employees working at the front desk recognize us, they pretend not to. Adrian and I walk down a long corridor lined with pens on each side. Each cell has one or two dogs in it, most containing pit bulls. We don't have a dog yet, but we want one, but our tastes are different. Adrian likes the Bichon Frise, a 15 pound dog that resembles a white powder puff. I hate small yippy dogs. For years, I have longed for an English Mastiff, a true gentle giant that weighs approximately 200 pounds. Adrian refuses to have what she calls an overgrown slobber machine near her stuff. We don't argue about what kind of dog to get because our lease doesn't allow one and John doesn't want another animal in the house. A cat and a hamster are enough. At the end of the hall, we turn into the cat room where a chorus of meows greet us. As Adrian passes the cage, a giant black paw reaches through the metal bars and Adrian feels a tap, tap, tap on the back of her hand. She turns around and says, look, sissy, in the voice of a child who has seen a ghost, but is not scared. Inside of a cage, two sleepy black cats lie together, spooning one another. The smaller one on the inside is the rascal that hit Adrian. We step forward and press our faces closer. We count six toes on each foot. Their large yellow eyes stare back at us and the smaller one's pupils are so dilated they resemble black marbles. He especially seems to be communicating with Adrian as he continues his playful paw banter without moving any other part of his body. They, no, he looks like Ebony, says Adrian. Can we get him? Please, sissy. 
I don't know what to say. The last thing I need is another animal, another responsibility in the house. I can barely remember to clean the litter box these days. John may be a terrific father, but he is useless when it comes to pets. A kitten needs shots and sterilization. How a little bit react. She's had the house to herself for over 10 months. I'll think about it. Great. That always means no. Not necessarily. He reached out and touched me, sissy. It's a sign. <sighs> I sigh. We'll ask about him, but I'm not promising anything. Adrian skips down the corridor to the lobby. At the front desk, she describes the two cats. An employee says they are both male, they were found together outside, and they believed to be from the same litter, despite their size discrepancy. Both kittens are up for adoption on August 10th, a week from today. I thank the woman and tell her we might be back next week. Adrian smiles. Adrian talks at warp speed the minute the door shuts behind us. I think my cat is Bombay, but maybe his brother has more Siamese in him. That would explain why he's longer and leaner. His face is skinnier, too. Anyway, doesn't Marinol look just like Ebony? He was Bombay. Are there black Siamese cats, Sissy? Can you believe they are both have 24 toes like Ebony? Marinol is the perfect name. Great. She has already named the cat. I interrupt her even though I can't remember the last time she was this excited about anything. Okay, I'll bite. Why Marinol? Because, she rolls her eyes at me as if it should be obvious, he's so laid back, like he's high on something. Like me, when I take Marinol. <laughs> I laugh because only Adrian would come up with that. Adrian, I never said yes. But sissy, she cocks her eyebrow, Marinol is the best. I know that expression. That I just made you laugh so you can't say no now look. I want her to be happy, but we don't need another cat, especially one that is the spitting image of Ebony. I can't deny that Marinol, no, that kitten, touching Adrian was eerie as if he knew his only chance of getting out of jail was by using his best assets, his giant paws, not a loud voice that blends in with the crowd. I need to make someone else the bad guy. If both John and Dr. Marco say yes, then you can have the kitten. There's no way they'll both say yes. No way. Adrian squeals. <gasps> I can't wait to tell Eli about Marinol. They both have to agree, Adrian. Don't get your hopes up. Don't worry, sissy. I won't because they will. After eating lunch, we pick up Eli and shop at Ross, where Adrian buys several shirts and skirts. Then we go to see Tim Burton's remake of Planet of the Apes. I am paranoid about movie theaters. They are ripe with germs, but Adrian has wanted to see this film ever since she read Tim Burton was directing it. As we settle in what appear to be the cleanest seats available, not that dirt is visible in dim light, I think about how important seeing this movie is to Adrian. Adrian likes most of Burton's films, with the exception of Mars Attacks, which she thinks is too silly. However, she was thrilled when she read Burton grew up in Burbank and based the neighborhood in his film Edward Scissorhands on his hometown. She was more delighted when she discovered she and Burton shared the same biology teacher, Mr. Hines. Adrian asked her teacher about Tim Burton a few months ago. A firm believer in paper, Mr. Hines kept all of his grade books from the time he started teaching. With Adrian supplying Burton's age, he soon found the appropriate year. 
Ah, yes, Timothy Burton. Very average, a C student, I'm afraid. Not like you, he said. Mr. Hines, do you have any idea how famous he is? How good his films are? Mr. Hines chuckled. No, but I seem to remember he liked to draw a lot. Adrian gave Mr. Hines a brief biography on his former average student. Then she recommended her favorite Tim Burton movies. I wondered if he followed her advice. Adrian can be persuasive when she wants to be. Adrian shakes her head and sighs as the end credits roll up the screen. That wasn't good. He sold out. I never thought he would, but he did. I don't think the film is that terrible. Average, I guess. But I can see how disappointed Adrian is in one of her heroes. Eli agrees with Adrian. He doesn't like it much either. Maybe the original is better, I offer as a way to cheer up Adrian. That's my point, sissy. He never should have done a remake. He sold out. After dropping Eli off at home, I changed the subject to the one thing I don't want to discuss. You can ask John about Mar the cat when he gets home. Adrian perks up. That's right. He'll say yes. That famous quote, never assume you'll make an ass out of you and me, is something I should have learned by now. After five years with John, he surprises me. He says, yes, of course. Adrian can have a cat. I remind Adrian her doctor has to agree, too. She says, I know, sissy. You told me like ten times already. I wait until Adrian is in bed before confronting John. You weren't supposed to say yes. Why did you say yes? You hate pets. How could I say no to her right now? He replies. Then I realize John would give Adrian anything she wants because he cannot give her what she needs. A new liver. Her old life back. Part of me wants to strangle him for being unpredictable and another part of me wants to hug him for making her happy. I'm the one who's going to take care of it. I'll help out, he says. We both know he's lying. The next day, Adrian sleeps all morning in anticipation of our big night out to medieval times. I allow her to get a manicure and pedicure that afternoon. I explain to the Vietnamese manicurist in detail about how low Adrian's platelets are and how platelets help our blood clot. But I realize I've gone too far and it has nothing to do with any language barrier. I need to drop the medical jargon and get to the point. Look, she can't bleed. Just be extra careful, okay? Yes, ma'am. I be careful. Don't worry, she replies. What color you want? Adrian points to the bright blue polish. Of course. The woman may not understand why she needs to be cautious, but I can see from the way she takes her time, she comprehends something is wrong. Later, when I share my thoughts with Adrian, she laughs. Gee, sissy, don't you think my bald head and pasty skin gave her a clue? I know she's right. The woman probably labeled Adrian a sick girl when she saw her, but people should never assume. Adrian begs me to stop at Junk for Joy, one of the coolest secondhand stores in Burbank. She does not have anything particular in mind. But when Adrian sees a large pair of blue monarch butterfly wings, she has to have them. Because Adrian loves fairies, she has always wanted a pair of wings. About two feet in height and diameter, the wings attach under her shoulders with a wide piece of ribbon. Can I get them, sissy? She asks as she twirls around. 
I want to say how impractical the wings are, how cumbersome they must be, and how heavy they will feel after a long stretch of time. But like John with the kitten, I cannot say no. Adrian appears so young in the wings, like a child who has never known pain, like a child who has never experienced three rounds of chemotherapy, like a child who has never had cancer. It's your money, kiddo. You want them, you buy them, I tell her. Whooping with glee, Adrian purchases the blue butterfly wings for less than $50. An expensive dinner extravaganza, Medieval Times transports one back to the 11th century to witness a tournament while eating a four-course feast served by winches and serfs. Both Adam and Adrian always wanted to go. Adam to see knights joust and Adrian to experience the antics of the Middle Ages, but John and I never had the money before. Now I do not let not having the money stop us from doing anything Adrian wants to do. For an additional $10 per person, I buy the royalty package, which comes with preferred seating, commemorative programs, cheering banners, and free admission to the museum. Before cancer, I would have balked at spending over $200 for one evening of fun, but we no longer live in the past, the before. We live in the after, no, the present with cancer. And on a subconscious level, I am aware of how hard I am trying to make each day special for Adrian. We will go to medieval times tonight and we will have fun, damn it. In less than two weeks, I will turn 29 on my birthday. Women my age are supposed to hear their biological clocks ticking, but I don't. Instead, a cancer clock. Adrian has been sick for 81 days, pulsates throughout my body as it tracks the numbers. How long has it been since we left normal? How many rounds of chemo? How many times has she thrown up? How many good days? Bad days? How many meds? How? 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 I prefer the how questions because I can answer them with real numbers, quantitative evidence, as the doctors would say. However, I find no answer exists for the hardest question of all. Why, Adrian? When Adrian exits her bedroom, I gasp. She appears so ethereal with her blue monarch butterfly wings and blue bobbed wig Marilyn bought for her. I'm looking at a blue fairy from another world. Adrian is also wearing her brand new blue tie-dyed shirt from Ross, along with a blue scarf tied around her neck. On another person, so many shades of blue would be overwhelming, but Adrian manages to pull off the monochromatic style. I grab my camera and take many pictures of her and Adam, who also opted to wear a shirt with blue in it. A coincidence, I believe. I smile behind the lens as they make goofy faces at me. For a few seconds, things are back to normal. Despite buying the royalty package, we have to wait in line like everyone else. I notice people staring at Adrian, but I see no pity in their eyes. No poor sick girl. They appear intrigued by her presence. Even I feel Adrian's aura as it moves through the crowd, soothing people like an unseen but welcome mist on this hot summer evening. The steel rod of tension in my shoulders loosens, and I breathe a sigh of relief. 
this evening will be perfect. Before going to our seats, we enter the torture museum, which scares Adam. John escorts him out while Adrian and I walk around. We comment on the various apparatuses that prove just how medieval the medieval times were. After seeing many devices, including the famous Judas chair covered with spikes that pierced human flesh, Adrian and I agree the guillotine was one of the more humane forms of torture because death was quick in most cases. My eyes linger on the exhibit as we exit. Is cancer just another form of torture? We sit in a giant stadium where King Alfonso and his daughter Princess Esperanza introduce themselves. They tell us how the knights will display their courage, strength, and chivalry in many different tournaments. Each section of the arena is dedicated to one particular knight, and our job is to cheer him to victory with our voices and banners. Our knight's colors are red and yellow, which Adrian and I take as a good sign. USC colors. To my dismay, the feast begins with bread and soup without a spoon. When I ask for one, Adrian groans. They didn't have utensils back then, sissy. You're supposed to use your hands. She demonstrates by picking up her bowl and sipping her soup. I play along until the main course arrives. A choice of roasted chicken or spare ribs with an herb-basted potato. We southerners may eat chicken with our hands, but I'm not eating a potato with one. Our kind wench of a waitress brings me a fork. Adrian rolls her eyes as she noshes on her ribs. I don't care how square she thinks I am because I'm too busy mentally noting how much food she is eating. The marinol has increased her appetite, and she hasn't complained about feeling nauseous yet. Keep it down. Please keep it down. Despite his lucky USC colors and our loud whooping, except for John, who doesn't believe in showing any kind of vocal enthusiasm, our knight loses during one of the earlier joust. For a brief second, I am frustrated even though we are watching a carefully choreographed show. I tell myself the winner is predetermined, like the wrestling matches on television our grandfather Papa loved so much. Gotta watch my wrestling. Move, Andra. You're blocking the TV. Get out of my way now. You hear? I told Papa once the matches were fixed, but he wouldn't hear of it. As we do tonight, he continued to cheer on his favorite wrestlers, not wanting to believe his dedication had no bearing on the outcome. I feel an epiphany coming on, but I push it away. Cancer is not a game. It's a disease. Loud clapping brings me back to the present as King Alfonso thanks us for joining him this evening. I slap my hands together to a staccato rhythm only I can hear. If cancer is not a game, why are we fighting to win? After the tournament, we join the mob in the lobby to obtain autographs and pictures. We each take a photograph with King Alfonso, except for John, of course. Adam waits in line to have his program signed by the knight who won the tournament and who is by far the most popular man in the room. I give the kids $20 each to buy a souvenir. Adam chooses a sword while Adrian purchases a purple cone-shaped princess cap with gold sequin trimming along the brim. I am surprised by her choice. Usually she doesn't go for anything purple, but she explains she doesn't plan to wear it. She just thinks it's pretty. Outside, Adam exclaims, that was the best night of my life. This time, even John laughs along with Adrian and me. Those innocent words mean more to John than Adam will ever know. John wants Adam to like him so much, 
but he has a better relationship with Adrian than he has with his own son, due mostly to proximity and access. John not only sees Adrian every day, but he also spends time with her. John thinks by giving Adam the best night of his life, he will score points, but he cannot change facts. Adam lives with his mother over 30 miles away, and we see him every other weekend, even less since Adrian has been ill because his mother refuses to switch weekends. What a bitch. Tonight, though, we are family again, the four of us, the one J and three A's, and it feels good. Part of my new armor to fight the enemy is making Adrian a fruit smoothie twice a day. I spoke to Dr. Marco and Nina about herbs I read in the physician's desk reference. They agree in small doses the herbs cannot hurt Adrian, but Dr. Marco does not believe they will help either. Nina is more optimistic. Using a blender, I mix carrot, orange, and banana juice with one capsule of milk thistle, one capsule of cat's claw, and 15 drops of astragalus, all herbs that aid liver function. In the evening, I use the same juice with one crushed caplet of a hippopatic cleanse, a sort of multivitamin for the liver. Adrian loves the smoothies and says she cannot taste the herbs at all. Another added bonus is the smoothies are loaded with healthy calories. And if Adrian's body can tolerate them, she will gain some much needed weight. Thank you for watching and listening to Better Off Ball, The Life in 147 Days. Please subscribe to my channel and stay tuned for the next episode. You just heard a chapter from Better Off Ball, A Life in 147 Days, a story told and written by Andrea Wilson Woods. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends, and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.